What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. So, uh, coming off of the Reddit thread, uh, again for the topic, uh, it was requested from someone uh, as we talked about, the, the conversation on the thread talked about uh, DRBs. And it was requested that I talk specifically about a couple of mentions I've made to DRB and Chiefs. Um, it's come it's come up a few times. And then just DRBs in general, I think. I, initially, I was going to just address the Chief DRBs that, that I've been a part of. Um, but it, I think the debate on the usefulness of DRBs, uh, if they're constructive, if they're just a mechanism for people to scream for the sake of screaming. Um, and it, it's something I, I've, I just got done having the conversation, which kind of reminded me, uh, we did another ask the chief, uh, which you guys will see soon, but, uh, it's same, same guy I was talking to. And, and that, and that kind of came up the, whether or not they're useful. Uh, and that kind of, I'm going to roll this all into one for that reason. It's just cause it's fresh in my mind and I, they're obviously related. So, um, First off, the the question came up when I was talking to Fleet Kingsbury about uh, whether or not I would DRB a chief, uh, and, and I mentioned that I had. Uh, I've been a part of three. Uh, well, I've been at a command where three happened. I was a part personally of two of them. Um, they were for varying reasons. Um, most of them were... I mean, obviously they're performance based, but one of them was a uh, chief that was standing duty uh, on a submarine. It's called duty chief. It's I think they're called section leaders or CDOs on surface ships. And I think that varies based on the size of the platform, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But he was the senior enlisted for the duty section. Uh, and basically what happened was something went wrong with a system that he was responsible for supervising. And it was a system that based on how um, refits and stuff go, there's a lot of civilians, contractors, uh, shipyard folks going on and off the submarine. And uh, this system basically was inadvertently put in a, in a position where it could have hurt one of those civilians. And that report was made to him. He ate the report, didn't report it to anyone else. Uh, knowing full well that he was required to do so. Uh, it was something that had happened before. There were lessons learned and training done. He was very aware that uh, it was supposed to be communicated up the chain of command, and it wasn't. So the next morning, it turned into a big thing. Uh, the whole chain of command was surprised by it as they got phone calls from outside entities, etc. Uh, so you can imagine how that went. And he basically, it, it was a culmination of a bunch of small performance-related issues, um, it was a guy that was kind of on his way out and he knew it. He was retiring in like a year. So I think that played into it. I don't think he was purposely screwing things up. He was definitely disengaged. Um, and I think he was one of those guys that didn't quite realize to the extent with which he had disengaged as he got ready to transition out of the Navy. And uh, the... The other one was performance-related issues again. This one I, I'm a little less familiar with. I was pretty new to the command when it happened, uh, but it was a new chief that uh, he was a guy that had been in the Navy for a long time when he made it. He was at like 18 years, and uh, it sometimes, depending on the personality and their experiences and their background, uh, it can be a little more difficult to get through to those sailors, especially when they know also. He, was, he knew regardless that he was going to go to shore duty and then retire, so... He uh, 
kind of thought he was going to put roller skates on, I think, and that was part of the problem was he wasn't performing in a lot of areas in the way that it was expected that he should. Uh, and then I think that the the kicker for that one was there was an exchange between him and the Cobb where he basically said, I don't care. <laughs> and so that was, that was that one. That one I'm less familiar with, and I'm going to talk about him generally uh, when I'm done. And then the last one, little – this one it was unique in ways um, – this was a senior chief that I've mentioned before that violated his integrity. Um, and he did that for reasons that I can empathize with. Uh, it still obviously wasn't the right decision and he knows it and he immediately knew it after the fact. Um, but it, it's, it was something that he, he, him and his, his guys had been getting punched in the face a lot for just random procedural issues in relation to something that it's a huge deal. If there's a procedural issue, his guys had just been getting hammered. Morale was low and he saw an opportunity to shield his guys for, from some pain by telling a little white lie. Essentially. Um, he just was not ready to, um, let that, let them all get punched in the face yet again for something that he, he thought was silly and thought wouldn't impact anything. And then, I mean, it was he was it was one of those things where he he said it. And then five minutes later, he was like, I can't believe I just did that. And he went and and told the appropriate people that what he had said was, in fact, not true uh, and explained why. And just because of who he was, the position that he was in and the things he was responsible for and the the nature of that, you know, he he lied. Um he went to DRB. Uh, I was sitting in on that one. The flavor of that one was a little different. I'll talk about that a little bit when I get into just the the general gist of it. But uh, he he went to Captain's Mass as well. I was in the room for that. As the I was the simio, and it's a requirement for me to be in there for that. So um, though the chief DRB piece, I, I think it was. I think the question was asked thinking that there was like a difference. Um, and this, I can only speak from my experience, which I've been in, I've been at now four commands as a chief. Uh, and, um, I've seen DRBs at all of them and I was running them at my last shore duty. I was the chairperson. So I had a lot of control over how they happened there. Uh, but the theme that I, I can communicate, I guess, is, is every time we did them, they were coming from a place of how can we constructively address this problem with the sailor? Um, we we need to go into it because we, we would always have the, the PIO in front of us. And so we would have some statements already, some evidence if it was applicable. So we'd have a, a rough sketch kind of, of of what happened and what they were accused of and why. Um. But you usually get a lot more perspective in the type of interview that happens during a DRB. Um, so we would go in there with the idea in mind of let's get to the bottom of why this happened. Like, why are we here? Um, what led you to make these decisions uh, or do these things or whatever? And uh, can we... Obviously, some of them are cut and dry, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but sometimes it's it's like we need to get to the bottom of this and see if uh, the recommendation is in fact going to be like XOI and captain's mass or if it can stop here. 
And a lot of times that depends on how truthful people are with us. And I know there are eyes collectively rolling as I, as I go through some of this, because I, I know that a lot of junior sailors go into them extremely skeptical and, and like, I shouldn't say anything because they're out to get me. And, and all I can say, all I can speak on is my experience and I'll address some of those opinions in a minute. Uh, we would go into them and, and, really ask questions and try to find out like what happened. Why are you having issues with calls? Why did you try to start a fight with Seaman Timmy? Like why did whatever happened? Why are you always late? Blah, blah, blah. Why'd you gaff off maintenance? Um, it's, it's gun decking. I don't know if they say gaff in the surface fleet. Um, but they, uh, they always come from that place of, we need to find out like what happened, deconstruct it, figure out, what was going on in your head? Were there any underlying issues? Uh, are you having trouble in other areas that's affecting this area? Were you pressured into doing it? Did somebody try to force you to blaze that maintenance or did someone order you to do it? Did, well, like, is there anything else going on that we don't know about? Is kind of like, I want to know that first. Like, if there's extenuating circumstances or some context I don't have that led to this happening, because there's usually some kind of real reason why we're here um, that isn't like the, the infraction is like a symptom of something greater. If not, and it's really not even if not, like there's always something, even if it's just like a developmental issue. But if it's, if it's cut and dry, if it's, I just, no, I just screwed up. I'm here to own it. It is what it is. And we move on. And generally those are super cut and dry cases like DUIs or something like that. Not that a DUI can't be also, wrapped up in some extenuating circumstances. But if it is something where there's not anything else, then it just, it generally gets recommended and goes up. There are definitely times where extenuating circumstances happen. Uh, there's some kind of context there. We had a kid that was having issues with alcohol, got evaluated for dependence, got treatment, and the issues themselves we managed and it, it stayed at that like at the dr the drb happened let them know like hey we're gonna get you this this counseling we want you to come back and we want you to do well and we're we're here to support you in whatever you need but you need to understand that you need to take this counseling seriously and um get everything you can out of it leverage the resources and then come back and be a valuable contributing member of the organization and uh we'll, you know we'll do everything we can to help you do that and and it worked out uh, there were some more struggles after the fact, but it, it, it worked out and he came back and he did well. So as a principle, I, the DRB itself, I think it can be productive. Uh, me and Chief talked about it uh, on the Asset Chief episode that you guys will see coming up soon. Basically about like how productive is it? Is it valuable? When should it happen? How often should it happen? I'm kind of in this in this area of, of thinking that it should probably be reevaluated, uh, to be more of, uh, an investigatory tool. Like I talked to, uh, an LNC friend of mine and a JAG and basically came to the conclusion that it's meant to be part of the investigation process. It's not always necessary and it's never required. Um, so I think it, it could probably be Reevaluated. I think it needs to be formalized. There needs to be some kind of a structure to it. I've seen some pretty solid command instructions with scripts and some paperwork and and stuff that lends to the the preliminary inquiry uh, that happens 
in it in an NJP case, um, which I, you know, I think that you could even say that there's probably times where some chief intervention at in, in that kind of formal way could be merited, even when there's not an accusation of violating a UCMJ article. But then, I mean, you get to this weird place where I think just mentorship and, and strong leadership can fix those types of issues. Um, and what I mean by like the formal pieces, anybody that's ever been an instructor, they have what's called like an academic review board. And generally there's some metrics is like, if you fail a couple of tests and you're not doing as well as you need to be and you're not tracking to complete the course, they'll do an academic review board and tr- or a qualification review board if you're behind in quals for a long period of time to try to figure out, hey, what's going on here? Why are you having these issues? What can we do to help and get you on the straight and narrow? Because at the end of the day, we want you to get qualified or we want you to complete the course, just like we want you to be a valuable contributing member of the team, which is part of what the disciplinary review board, I think, should be at its core. Uh, I think we get we get lost in the sauce sometimes and it often degenerates into what people stereotypically believe that it is, which is just a shouting like match, which it's not, or like a just degenerates into yelling. Um, and it's not very productive. So, uh, in general, I think like the, the chief I was talking to, they do what's called, they call it a chief standards and conduct board. Um, they kind of just rebranded it, came out with an instruction. They have a panel, a certain number of people usually related to where the person works in some capacity. And they, they kind of do it a little differently, but it's formalized. It has structure so that the, the lines are drawn so that there's the structure won't allow it theoretically to degenerate into a giant YFG screaming bonanza for the, for the chief piece of it. It's not really that much different in that when I've done it, it, it wasn't conducted differently. I mean, um, came in there reported, uh, which is a humbling experience cause they had to enter the chiefs, the chiefs mess, uh, and report to the chairperson, which is the CMC or the cob in my case. Um, and it, it's kind of like, all right, tell us what happened. And, uh, it's, they're getting treated just like everyone else on purpose. Um, and then, it, it leads into a conversation about what happened, why it happened. But then in the case of a chief doing it, in, in the times that I've experienced it, it's been like a, it, it turns into a conversation about how you could end up here when you knew better. Um, and the fact that you're a chief standing here reporting to a DRB like a seaman and it's like, do, really, are we really doing this right now? Um, there's a, a bit of that injected into it. I don't, I don't know how you would get through one of those without there being a little bit of that. Like the, and it, it's on a spectrum of, of like a fatherly disappointment thing to a like WTF thing where it depends on how, what happened and what that person's performance has been like altogether. And, where they're at, right? Where instead of like I had a, a new chief, a brand new chief, they were both really brand new chiefs that had been in the Navy a long time, all the way to like a, a senior chief that um, clearly wasn't a new chief and uh, and knew better. The differences in the cases were like one of them was lying about something or or uh, having a constant issue with his own pride and disengagement, and then the other one was a guy that made a stupid mistake immediately owned it and fell on a sword and and took the accountability like a champ and uh 
and moved on and grew from it. So, um, but for, for, for the chief DRBs in particular, it's like, it wasn't different. Um, it happened. And, uh, the, like the only part of the conversation that I think was different was the expression of disappointment in the, in the effect that it has on the chief's mess that a chief is, doing stupid things that should have never happened in the first place and allowed them to end up there. Um, and that it, I mean, it, it, it makes it like in infinitely more difficult for the other chiefs in that mess to be taken seriously by the people that are watching them at all times. Right. It's already difficult. We taught, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast about how, it's already a struggle for a lot of chiefs out there to be taken seriously or trusted by junior enlisted just in the current climate. But it's even more difficult when you have chief misconduct in your unit, especially when it's for stupid reasons. Um, but it's, I think it's important that when it does happen, that the process is not treated any differently because they're a chief, right? The preliminary inquiry has to happen. It should probably be an officer that does it uh, so that it's impartial, all right? You can't have a chief doing a chief's PIO. That'd be stupid. Not that I, I'm not questioning those guys' ability uh, to be impartial, but it's not going to appear impartial, which I think is really important. And then when that concludes, the process happens however it happens. So if, if you're at a command where a DRB happens for every single PIO, then that DRB needs to happen. And I think it should be known command wide, especially in this case that it's happening. Uh, I'm not saying like people need to be in the know and exactly what happened in there, but they should, that should be in the plan of the day. You should know that chief Smith is going to DRB at 1300 and to be quiet in the vicinity of the mess. I think that as the, as the process happens, so say it gets forwarded up or, or not, right that the disposition should be uh, published in the plan of the day and in how any other means that the command wants to do that and just say like chief Smith went to DRB and this happened uh, and that it was recommended to be dismissed at disciplinary review board based on this or for any, there's only so much you can put in there depending on the legal stuff. But and same thing with, with NJP, like you got, you see it in the plan of the day. It's in the Navy time sometimes for court marshals where you'll see like this happened and this was the disposition and punishment awarded or whatever. I think that level of transparency is really important that it's happening and that they're going and that, uh, the disposition was this right. And cause larger platforms, you might not know that those things happened unless you're told. Um, but you probably know about the misconduct because it got passed along <laughs> through like the, E3, E4, E5 mafias, right? Um, but on a submarine, you can't hide it. Like when that senior chief went to Captain's Mass, everybody knew what was happening. He was in his dress blues, silence about the decks, blah, blah, blah. One MC is made. It's everybody knew he was going to Captain's Mass. Everybody knew he went to DRB. Like you, the it's so small. Like you, you're never going to not know. Like you're going to hear, you can hear a lot of what, what happens if, if voices get raised at all, you're going to hear it through the bulkhead. So it's like, it's not, something you're going to be able to keep quiet on a submarine, but on larger platforms, I would imagine that it's not like you probably could, that it actually happened in the, in the result, unless you published it. And I think you need to go out of your way to do that. Uh, and I've talked about like just chief discipline in general and, and me and fleet Kingsbury talked about it <clears throat> some as well. 
on kind of how it should happen. And we, we kind of agreed that it should be the exact same process. So if, and cause the argument is always made and rightfully so that chief should be held to a higher standard, right? Uh, we're, we're more senior. We've had more time to learn, uh, more training, more experience, et cetera. Like, uh, obviously we're looked up to as, as leadership. It obviously we should be acting the part <laughs> and, uh, and are held to a higher standard. So when the disciplinary stuff comes up, the at at minimum the process should be exactly the same i would say that you should be held to a higher standard uh that the threshold for pain should be much less but perfectly fine with us making it exactly the same i can't say that i've seen it happen that way the entirety of my career i can't point at a case where i'm like they totally swept something under the rug but um, there's definitely been times where I've, I've seen guys, uh, operate in a gray area where I'm just like, man, and if an E5 did that and got caught, the, they'd get an anvil dropped on their head. And here you are doing that thing. And then at the same time, if that happened, you'd be the one speaking up at a, at a DRB telling them how ridiculous they are for, for doing that. It's an issue, but I think that the disciplinary process should be exactly the same. Uh, to to the effect that if a chief gets a DUI, they should get demoted. Like I'm a hundred percent on board with that concept. I think it should probably go up to the Commodore level, but that sh- that should be a thing. There, I mean, you should know that your rank is in danger if you end up at a at an, a captain's mass level disciplinary hearing, whether it's captain's mass, admiral's mass, whatever. And you should 100% be at risk of getting demoted if if an ET2 is going to get dropped down to ET3 for a DUI or for whatever, a fist fight, whatever. So should that chief. Uh, I, and I, I, I can't fathom why that's not the case. Like, I don't... Maybe somebody can explain it to me, but I mean, I was talking to a retired fleet master chief that ag- agreed with it conceptually. So I don't think there's an explanation for it other than... At some point and at some level, we decided that, you know, like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a thing because it was in our own self-interest. But, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I hope I this is kind of a weird topic to try to tackle because I, I I've talked about some of it before and I don't know if I've fully addressed the question that was asked for the can you talk about the chief DRBs? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they happened like <laughs> they weren't very much different except for us addressing the the piece that you're I can't believe I'm talking to a chief at a DRB like you know better and we're extremely disappointed in you for the following reasons I think that all of the instances that I can think of where something at that level came up the DRB happened when it when it was supposed to I'm not saying I knew about every single issue something could have happened that I didn't know about but I'm pretty sure I knew cuz my cob told me basically everything there were definitely, I've talked about some of them, other issues that were handled uh, a little informally, but they still, it was a DRB style conversation with a chief. And I don't think people know that that happens as often as it does, but I can tell you that it does. Uh, in good messes, it does, which 
you know, the ones that I've been in, I mean, every single, every single time it was either me closing a door behind someone or someone closing a door behind me and having a, a pretty one way conversation about how you're not living up to the standard or, or coloring inside the lines. And when you're like, when you're outside the lines, you should expect another chief to come off the top rope and, and rapidly correct you. It should be a normal, accepted part of our culture. And, and in again, in my experience, it has been. But I don't know that that happens everywhere. And I, I've definitely seen messes where it doesn't. And it's not a healthy environment uh, for good order and discipline within the lifelines of the Chiefs mess. And then based on that discipline not happening, it's like any organization. If you're not maintaining good order and discipline with inside, inside the lifelines of, of any organization, you're going to have issues, right? And if we're not maintaining good order and discipline inside the mess, the E6 and below are going to see that. The wardroom's going to see that. And it's going to affect the relationship between those three groups. And then it's going to affect your ability to maintain good order and discipline on the unit as a whole. It's going to affect your ability to accomplish the mission. That's, that's why I think transparency is so freaking important. Like, I'm not saying that you need to cave to, like, the opinions of the E6 and below. If they think that Chief Smith did this thing, he should get an anvil dropped on his head. Because every situation is going to be different. They're not going to have, they're not going to be able to access the PIO investigation. They're not going to have all the context and understanding that the people making the decisions do. And they don't have the, the weight or the burden of command like that CO does who makes the ultimate decision contrary to popular belief. Like, yes, the chiefs get input and the XO gets input. I've seen the captain completely discard that and make his own decision before. And then the majority of the time, yeah, they do listen to our input, but they're the one that has to live with that decision. So don't like, don't think for a second that we're puppeteering a commanding officer like that CO makes his own, his or her own decisions. Um, a lot of times, they for the situation that they're in, they're going to rely on the experience we have. They're going to rely on the recommendation of the XO as well. And then using all that, plus the PIO package that was prepared by that impartial investigator, at least hopefully impartial, they're going to use all of those things and the conversation that the CO has at mass to make a decision on what to award. Um, they're afforded an opportunity at a captain's mast in addition to XOI and DRB to make a statement that would mitigate the seriousness of their offenses. Like you're given a, a ton of opportunities during the disciplinary process to be truthful and then offer anything that would mitigate the seriousness of the offenses. Even if that mitigation is just what that senior chief did and just own it, just fall on your sword and be like, I made a mistake. It was stupid. I, I I'm learning from it in conversations that I'm having with, with my mentors and leadership and I don't expect it will ever happen again. And you just take it on the chin. Like, it happens. We're human beings. And I think that's what gets lost sometimes in this process is, is that you're going to make a mistake. And most of them are redeemable. Um, it's when you get into that area of I made a mistake and then I lied about it, right? Because then the mistake generally uh isn't the severe part of it. It's the fact that you violated your integrity and you lied about it. So now I feel like, okay, if you're lying about this, what else are you lying about? How can I trust you in the future, et cetera? Um, that's a really slippery slope. And I think the integrity pieces are the ones that are the most serious. And, and me and Chief talked about that as well. So I, I won't belabor that point anymore. Um, hopefully, 
I'm I hope that I've addressed this in the way that it was it was asked for. The question was just can you talk about it? So I did the best I could. Uh, if you if you want me to talk about it more, or if you you still have questions, uh, especially the person that asked that on Reddit, hit me up. Uh, I, I'm I I, w- I should have probably asked for more specific um, guidance on what exactly you wanted to hear about, but uh, I had time and uh, I figured I'd lay this one down for you guys. But uh, yeah, if you follow on questions, concerns, comments, uh, if you guys want to hear me talk about it a little more in a future episode, I'm more than happy to do that. I got a lot of interviews coming up where this will fall in line with the the type of thing we'll be talking about anyway. So like always, if you need anything from us, hit me up. Don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me. Don't give up the shit podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram at DGuts podcast. A lot of you are reaching out on Reddit as well. You can direct message me, uh, and I will answer on that. And yeah, uh, that's it. It oh, that's not it. <laughs> if you want to support us, help us keep the lights on. Uh, go to dgutspodcast.com slash shop. You can pick up t-shirts, pins, stickers, magnets, etc. Uh, it's not a for-profit enterprise. All the money gets reinvested uh, into the podcast for all the bills that we got to pay for the subscription fees and equipment and, and all that other fun stuff. Um, if you want to help, you get something. It helps us pay all the silly fees. And then lastly, I haven't been asking in the past, um, but I'm asking now just to kind of help get the word out. We can't afford advertising. So if you can like, share, rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff, uh, rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes uh, and all the other podcast services. We just got on um, Spotify at the suggestion of a listener. So uh, on all the things that you can subscribe, rate us, uh, share the content, especially on social media, share, repost, tag me and stuff, whatever. Uh, I'm still learning the best ways to leverage social media for organic like advertising and stuff because I'm not I'm not going to be able to put a bunch of money into advertising. And to be perfectly honest, it, it, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. But the times I have, it hasn't really done much for us. So. So, yeah, anything you can do on that plane of existence would be super awesome. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't give up the ship. <laughs> <laughs>